Welcome to the Right Division Network Podcast, a production of Grace Family Bible Church in Buffalo, New York. I'm your host, Pastor Scott Morton. And we'd like to thank you once again for joining us as we study God's Word, Rightly Divided. We're going to be continuing today in our studies here in the book of 1 Thessalonians. We are here in chapter number 4. We've been looking at verse number 11, which says, And that ye study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands, as we commanded you. Now, last week we started looking at the issue of the word study, and how the Apostle Paul speaks about the issue of, for us, the members of the body of Christ, that we need to study, and the principle that's been given to us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we talked about how as a saved individual studies the word of God and takes it in, that there's a renewing of the mind, and that the spirit communicates with the spirit that's inside of us, teaching us, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, so that way we get a greater understanding of what the Word of God actually says for us today. That's the responsibility that each and every one of us have and what it is that we should be doing. Now, we left off, and I said last week, that we would look at a few passages that talk about how not only was this a responsibility for us in this dispensation, but how even for the nation of Israel, that they were told that they were supposed to have a responsibility related to the things of the word of God as well. Let's go over to the start in the book of Joshua. We're going to go to Joshua chapter number one. And we're going to see how Joshua is being given this instruction here as they're getting ready to enter into the land that what it is that they were supposed to do here. And in Joshua chapter number one, we're going to read here verse number eight. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So this issue of what was being said here to Joshua is that he was to take the book of the law, that's the written word of God that they had, and that he was to, it says, meditate therein day and night. So he was supposed to have this be part of who he was. And that idea of meditate means that his mind and thought process was to be on the things of the word of God and allowing that to have the influence on him in a manner to where this is what's guiding everything that's going on 
in his life. And that's really the whole purpose of this idea of studying is that the word's going to have this impact. Now, for Israel, the whole issue was if they were not performing the things of the law, they could lose their salvation in there. And so there was a big issue of that they needed to make sure that they were continuing the study, continuing to have that knowledge because they could not use the excuse of that they didn't know. You know, they had that responsibility to actually know exactly what the word of God was to them. They had to know all 600 plus parts of the law system because they were responsible to do all of those things. And if they failed in any way, there was a chastisement that would come upon them as a result of their failure. Now let's turn over into the book of Psalms. And we're going to see how the book of Psalms speaks about this idea as well. We're going to start here at Psalm 1. You know, the very beginning of the book, and we're going to read the first two verses of Psalm 1, which says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So again, this whole aspect of that they were going to have to meditate in that day and night. And that idea of meditate, we've talked about how the world has taken that idea and has really changed the meaning of it in a way to take away from what the word says. Because we look at meditate you know, from the world's point of view as that somebody sits down and they're clearing their mind of all thoughts. Well, but you have the word of God saying that somebody's meditating on the law day and night, which means that that's what their whole thought process was around. It wasn't a clearing of their thoughts. It was a taking of their thoughts and putting it back to the things of what the word of God Actually, says that's a completely different meaning of that word meditate. As long as we're here in the book of Psalms, let's turn over to Psalm 119. You know, this is the really actually the longest of the Psalms, and it's a Psalm that really, when you go through that whole Psalm, you see how it's a whole description of the things of the Word of God. And we're just going to read one section from this. So let's turn over to verse 57 of Psalm 119. And we're going to read down through verse 59, which says, Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy 
testimonies. So the issue that's being brought up here by the psalmist is the fact that they would keep the words of the Lord. And the only way that an individual truly could keep the words of the Lord is that they would have to have an understanding of what the word of God actually says. And in order to have an understanding of what the word of God says, you have to have known and be studying the word of God. So that way the individual could have it have that impact on their life. Now let's turn over to the book of Proverbs. Here we're going to Proverbs chapter number one, and we're going to see how Solomon starts this issue of the book of Proverbs talking about you know, really what the purpose of this book is. And we're going to read the first six verses of Proverbs 1, which says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark saying. So those verses really encapsulate the growth process that would happen as an individual was growing in the knowledge of the word, which a big part of that, you know, we're here in the book of Proverbs, that be them reading and understanding the doctrine that's here as it's happening. This process would happen to the point of where, when you read verse 7, which goes along with this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, you see that word fear, and people just go, well, it means, you know, the reverence and awe of God. Well, the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 1 talks about how we've not been given the spirit of fear. So, if fear just simply means the issue of awe, then we've got a problem because Paul's saying that we as the members of the body of Christ don't have an awe of God. The idea of fear truly means that idea of fearing what would happen in Israel's program. There truly was a fear because if they did not do the right thing, there was all sorts of punishment which could lead up to death that would occur. That's fear. Fear was the motivating factor for them to do things. Now, fear only gets people so far. And that's why in the dispensation of the grace of God, the law has been removed. There's nothing to fear. 
the motivation for us today is that we do the right thing out of the love. You know, love was demonstrated towards us. So we are demonstrating that love by doing the right things. We're demonstrating the love that was shown towards us. Now, this aspect of studying and having this knowledge of the word, I want to go back over to Deuteronomy. We'll go to Deuteronomy chapter number 17 here. I want to look here at an aspect of, you know, the king that would be over the nation of Israel. Now, the instructions here in Deuteronomy 17 are, you know, this is the law that's being given to them. And many years before they actually even ask for a king, God knows that they're going to do that. And God gives them instructions on how it is that they are supposed to be choosing a king, what the king is supposed to be doing here. And for the sake of time, really just want to kind of read verses 18 through 20 with, I guess this is going to be the responsibility of the king here. It says, And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law, and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, and that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Now, as you read this, if you've ever read through the books of Kings and Chronicles, you can clearly see what the failure of the nation of Israel truly was in this with the fact that, you know, this is not what they were doing. You know, they were not following the things of the law. You know, in fact, you can see the example of how far they had gone away from that when you actually can see the issue. Let's go over to Second Kings chapter number 22. We're going to look at the example of Josiah here. And see, you know, we just read how the king was supposed to have, you know, the un, you know, make a copy of the law out of the book that had been there with the priest. Now we're going to read here in Second Kings twenty-two. We're going to read verse eight, which says, "And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord." And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. The priest is identifying the fact that they found the book of the law. So it means that this had been so far away from them that 
It was not part of what they were doing. Let's skip down to verse number 11. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes, and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Akbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Isaiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go ye, inquire the Lord for me and for the people of all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book, to do according to all that is written concerning us. Josiah hears this and very clearly identifies the fact that they had not been doing the things of this. They had gotten so far away from the things of the law that it wasn't even recognizable that they were doing these things when they clearly heard the word of God. The only thing that they could say is, this is not what we've been doing. And to say, okay, we need to hear from God what it is that you know we need to do and basically beg for forgiveness. Now, God demonstrates that toward them when he says that he understands that the heart of Josiah and that Josiah is trying to do the right thing and says, okay, if you do those things, then I will show the blessings that have been promised unto you. And we saw what a big part of that motivation was by the fact that Josiah brings up the wrath. So the motivation is not wanting to face the punishment that would come from God. Now, what we've seen between last week and this week is that there really has been a consistent message related to studying the Word of God. Now, I'm going to use a couple examples of what people think studying is and then we'll talk about what studying really actually is and you know for some people you know think of the idea of why well, I start in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and I read through the Bible all the way through the book of Revelation you know it's the very last chapter and then I just start over again and I just keep reading through as long as I'm reading the Bible every day I'm studying. Now, it's good to read the Word. It's good to take it in. But that's not actually studying. You know, because you know, I can read something and have no real knowledge of what it says. You know, there's a little bit more than just reading that material. You know, some people say, well, you know, I studied the Word of God by, you know, I picked up a commentary by so and so and I read their commentary. Well, you know, a commentary can be a good help, but again, it's not studying because really what I'm doing is I'm studying, you know, I'm reading what somebody else 
is saying about what the Word of God says. You know, any subject, for example, in school that somebody would be studying, they're reading material. You know, they're reading that material and studying that. They're not studying what somebody else said about that material. You know that there's a big difference between those things. You know, some people would say, "Well, I just." Sit there, and I, you know, kind of review the notes that I took from other, from others, and I just kind of keep reviewing those notes and taking it in as the truth. Well, now what that is, that's just really a confirmation of the things that. Well, I'm just reviewing this to just say that, yeah, this is what I know and understand. You know, the idea of true studying is that. A person is having a growth in their knowledge. You know, really, the idea of what I just said is that word is just review because there's no actual true additional knowledge that's coming in. A true, a true studying is the fact that I'm comparing verses together, having a growth. And what I'm understanding. Now, that growth can be sometimes it's a thing of, you know, something I truly understand and getting further information into it, or, you know, think of, okay, maybe I can explain this to somebody a little bit better because I have a better understanding of it. You know, sometimes studying involves topics that we have never really even looked at. It can involve things of where, you know, there becomes the thing of where we change our mind regarding things. You know, and it's okay to have a point of where our knowledge of a topic changes and our viewpoint on it changes. You know, and I'll give an example of where in the early part of, you know, the 20th century when you know, dispensationalism was growing in the United States, water baptism was still looked at as being necessary for being part of what individuals were doing today. Now, if there was not a change of understanding and everyone just went with the thing of, well, this is what we've always thought, so we have to keep doing what we've always done we would still be practicing water baptism today, and we would be wrong. You know, the growth in knowledge, it's okay to change because it means that we are getting a better understanding. The issue becomes every generation should really be growing and building upon the things of what the previous generation has laid out to where there is that next level of growth that's actually happening and people keep progressing farther and farther in their knowledge fully understanding that there's no way that any individual is ever going to come to a perfect, complete understanding of what the Word of God says until 
we're caught up in the air, we're reigning with him in the heavenly places, and given that knowledge of what the word of God actually says. Now, in order for somebody to be saved today and be able to even be experiencing that growth, a person has to put their trust in the gospel message for today, which is the fact that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. And someone putting their trust in that and that alone is what gives someone salvation today. And then they can start experiencing that growth that God has intended for us to have. Now, as we close here, I'd like to remind everyone of our website, which is www.gracefamilybiblechurch.org. And on our website, we have a number of articles to help you in your study. We have previous messages. We have some charts to help you in your study of the Word. And as always, if you have any questions or comments about anything on our broadcast, anything on our website, we would love to hear from each and every one of you in order to help you grow in the knowledge of what God's Word says. And as always, we just pray that you would continue to remain faithful fighting that good fight of faith, preaching this message to this lost and dying world.